and good day, eh? Welcome to the Super Good Camping Podcast. My name is Pamela. And I'm Tim. And we are from supergoodcamping.com. We're here because we're on a mission to inspire other families to enjoy camping adventures such as we have with our kids. Tonight's guest is an outdoor enthusiast that does it all. Hiking, canoeing, winter camping, solo, family trips, you name it. He's on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, and he's also a published author. Tim first heard about him in one of the 47,000 Facebook groups that he follows and checked out his plain speak gear reviews, trip videos, instructional, and best of all, fantastic backcountry recipes and tips. Please welcome outdoorsman and author Kevin Ride, also known as Kevin Outdoors. Welcome to the podcast. Good hey, day. nice to meet you guys. <laughs> you too. Nice to meet you, dude. What what got you into camping, outdoors, all the all the things that you seem that I see of you? That's like, a good was it- question. Um, yeah, I, I've been enjoying the outdoors since I was a kid. I've I've always liked to camp. I I guess you know my father was an outdoorsman. He was a hunter and a trapper and a, and loved to fish. But I was also in scouts and uh, a lot of folks got their roots in scouts. When I when I meet other outdoor enthusiasts, um, a lot of them were in Scouts Canada or or whatever country they're from. And you know you got into the backpacking and and other things that uh, that uh, we all love to do. Cool. Yeah, that was that would that was if I had to lead the question, I was going to continue on. I was like, did you were you in scouts? Did you because that's how it played out for me. I mean, I had there was a family, not, not so much outdoors, not so much camping, but, you know, we we built a cottage. We <laughs> I was this tall, so I didn't do anything but run around and make everybody's lives difficult. But, you know, we spent a lot of time out in the bush for lack of a better term. Yeah. So yeah, my, my real intro was, was scouts as well, cubs and then scouts. So yeah, that, well, that was cool. I'm a scouter and uh, our youngest did uh, cubs and scouts and ventures. Uh, so yeah, we're very much into scouting. Right on. Yeah. Yeah. I was it's in a- cubs, scouts, uh, ventures and rovers for a, a brief period of time. Did a bunch yeah. of traveling and uh, I, like, that's where you learn the skills, right? Like, you know, you, you sort of copy your parents a little bit, but you learn more from teachers and scouters and, and that sort of thing. So, yeah. Well, yeah. And I think that that that's that's why scouters are scouters, because they want to teach people things. I, I mean, I, I see CJ 77, I think. Don't hold me to it. Uh, was a trip to PEI and that I was that into it that my parents would cough up the dough to, to help to send me to PEI for a week was mind boggling after at the time I was just it was an experience but it was a it was an amazing experience like and we learned so much about it, it was it's such a different you know with all the sand and all that sort of jazz. it was a it was cool it was very cool and I don't know it, without scouts I would never have done that or at least I wouldn't have yeah. done it until I could afford to do it yeah yeah for but, sure there you go okay cool so so how did you so that got you started what what kept you going? You have a wealth of experience. Yeah, I, I you know, I came up north uh, to northern Ontario um, after high school and uh, to study forestry. So, um, you know, that's a that's a big foundation. Uh, learned a lot about the forests of of the boreal forest and started recreating more on my own. Um, I live in Thunder Bay, Ontario. We've got some great hiking trails not far from here and excellent canoe country as well, right? And um, one of the first things I bought when I graduated was my own canoe. So, you know, Quetico Park is an hour and a half away from me right now. Sweet. And um, it's, a you know, it's it's pretty, pretty great to be that close to such a great resource, you know. And there's other places to go as well. But to have such a, a fantastic park so close is uh, is awesome. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a four hour drive for us to Algonquin. Yeah. Yeah. QE2. QE2 is two and a half hours away. And I hear it's pretty good. We're going to try that next year. So cool. Did, uh, were, were there any outside of scouts? Was there, was there any mentorship of, of any type? I'm just curious, just to, like, did you just keep building on your own experience? Was there any, was there anything else that helped steer the path? Pretty much. I've, I've, I've had a lot of friends who, who are skilled and, you know, you learn from your friends, you learn from those experiences. So you'd be a little bit narrow-minded to say that I learned on my own, but um, I learned on my own with, with the help of others. And, you know, you see somebody with a new piece of gear and you see how it works and pretty soon you're trying to buy the same thing. And, you know, you, you start going for overnighters with a full heavy pack and you learn how to reduce that and, and go for go for longer it's it's a slow process people always you know want to know how to get into it i say go for an overnighter just figure it out and then go for two nights and see how that goes and and so forth and you know i did a i think i did a two or three night solo trip with that new canoe and um in quetico and you know that was a great experience and i started going further and further um and longer trips and you know, the, the, the whole food thing sort of came out of that because to go for longer trips, you need to start drying some food. Not not dragging and, big, uh, big fat steaks around. Yeah. 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 One or two nights you can bring cans and fresh, fresh stuff and, you know, yeah, steaks or whatever you want to have. But if you want to go for five, six, you know, two week trips, you know, five, five, six day or two week trips, you need uh, you need to plan accordingly. Cool. Yep. I'm totally with you there. So you too. That's where I found you. I was looking for, oh, no, it's, I heard, I caught wind of you on, on Facebook and then I wanted, but it, but it was, and it was something, it was something to do with food. I don't remember exactly what the deal was, but it was something about dehydrating. And I went, yeah, okay, I've got a dehydrator book. Uh, we've been doing it for a few years. I can, you know, buy packaged, you know, the dehydrated, the nor soups, the nor the past is the, you know the easy 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 stuff uh lipton cup of soup i don't care and then and then i can dehydrate a bunch of stuff and then dump it into that and we can do the yep. it's a decent meal and it's got all the calories you need that you're going to burn while whether whatever you're doing we tend to canoe that the big kid and i but i heard something about somebody said something about recipes and i went okay i get dehydrating stuff and dumping it into something that somebody else is dehydrated what's this recipe business so that's what led me to you and i started checking out your youtube channel i hadn't i <laughs> you've been doing it for nine nine and change years by the looks of it like pushing 10 years that's a that's a pretty long time in youtube land most of them are, are yeah come and go uh and or they're they're a recent thing how what's what got you into to doing the youtube thing what made you want to go and tell people stuff it was, a, it was a really slow process. My first YouTube video, I was taking my kids, uh, my wife and kids on a camping trip in Quetico, just a short trip to, uh, to get the kids some some uh, canoeing experience and, and spend some, we know a spot with some nice beaches. So it wasn't much of a an adventure trip. Of course, with kids, it's always a bit of an adventure. Um, <laughs> and uh, a buddy of mine who had a YouTube channel, a guy I worked with, his uh, channel is Winter Trekker. He uh, he's, he's kind of stopped uh, producing videos. He said, "Kev, you you just bought a digital camera. This is ten years ago when when they were just starting to get brand spanking. Yep. And he said, "You've got a little red button on that camera. Why don't and you like to take pictures? Why don't you take video and make a little video?" So I I took took up the challenge and I thought, "Oh, I'll make a video of my family trip and 
I shared it on Facebook with friends and family thinking, yeah, the, the grandparents will enjoy the, the trip. And I didn't make another video for two years. I, I edited that with uh, Windows Movie Maker, the free software, and it's a bit clunky. Um, and I, I had no... I had no ambitions of becoming a YouTuber. I didn't make another video for two years. And then I looked and looked back. Kevin Callan actually um, commented on my video and I thought, oh, that's interesting. And I looked and I got like 5,000 people watching my my family video. So I thought, okay, let's go do some more. And I, I had no idea about like, you know, creating a, a package of videos that link together. So I thought I got a really neat chicken coop. I'll go shoot my chicken coop. And I did a one, one of those sort of like one shot where you talk about the whole thing and move the camera around and you know, those kind of videos. Yep. And then that one took off and I'm like, Oh, maybe I should like think about this a little bit and get composed about what I produce. And, and uh, so then I started making some of those sort of how to videos. And I started thinking about what, what do I have that's a little bit unique that I can share? Making food was one of them. I, I kind of realized, you know, my my meals are a little bit different. I, I I started by making, as you as you said, like getting some store bought stuff, some hamburger helper or some instant rice or whatever, and then yep. putting something with it. Um, for sure, I did that. Did that for a lot of years, and then I started dehydrating the whole meal. You know, have some. I don't know if they're fancy, but they're a little little high end compared to most fare on, on trips. And I, I thought I had something special. So I uh, started doing more of those videos cool. and found a bit of a niche. With yeah, no, no, you absolutely did. At least for my money, you did. Yeah, appreciate that. Thanks. So I noticed on your uh, on your YouTube channel that your Bear Encounters video is like really popular. <laughs> is that yeah. something you've experienced firsthand, Bear, Bear Encounters? Yeah, I've had a, a couple of encounters. One... One when I the, the most dramatic one was when I met my wife's parents again quite a co I guess that's the theme of uh, theme of tonight's conversation meeting my my she was just my girlfriend then but later became my wife uh, met, meeting her folks Carrie and I were living together and her parents were coming to town to visit and they liked the outdoors they wanted to go canoeing and. They wanted to go to Quetico and Carrie's mom had a bad arm at the time. So we didn't go very far. We, we went in at Nim Lake, which back then it, it's, it's pretty good now, but back then it was a bit notorious for having uh, bear encounters. And I did, I didn't like it. Didn't want to go to Nim, but uh, we did. We got a campsite first night, no problems, but we did hear campers way down the lake, banging pots and pans and yelling and couldn't make out what it was, but I assumed it was a bear. The next night, we were in, we didn't move around very much, again, because of my wife's mother's arm at the time. And uh, we had a bear visit our campsite. We had a dog, made a lot of noise, woke us up. The dog, we had a big husky and, and uh, a very uh, assertive dog. And he didn't uh, shy away from getting in a tussle with the bear. So we, we, we did that for a while. I, I got up, got the axe, got the bear spray. And the dog came back from his uh, tussle with the, the bear and um, we could hear the bear. The bear wasn't leaving us alone. We backed up a little bit and the bear um, climbed the tree beside our, the, the, that our food was hanging in. And the bear reached from the tree over, grabbed the food, then moved over with both forearms, hung on until the branch broke and the food came down. We had, uh, you know, so we then would scare the bear off the pack and but the bear was very persistent and uh, kept coming back at the pack. So eventually we said, well, let's let the bear have it. I, I cut the rope with an ax and uh, the bear took off. And then, you know, maybe an hour went by and we realized there's a noise in the trees above our tents. And it was her cubs. She had put her cubs up the tree right by our tents, right where the bear had, uh, had met us. 
uh, had met the dog the first time. We were also camped on a very narrow peninsula. So there was, there was almost nowhere to go. So we backed up as much as we could. And there was a bit of a cliff on one side of the peninsula. And the mother would kept coming to try and get her cubs. We couldn't seem to give her enough space because of the geography we were on. We, we just couldn't back up anymore. After a while, our flashlights went dim. And uh, this sounds crazy. Uh, and you're not allowed to cut trees in a park. But eventually, as the flashlights went dim and we we, we had a harder time finding the mother's eyes in the dark. We decided it's time to get rid of those cubs. So I knocked down a tree with the axe and we were on a narrow peninsula and the tree actually splashed the bear cub into the water. It, that's how narrow it was. So, you know, we couldn't give her much room, obviously. Uh, she finally came, got the other cub and they, they swam across to another neighboring peninsula very, very close. And they, that gave us a few hours of, of rest and we we built up a fire and hung out around the fire. She did come back later the next morning. We saw her a couple times and she had actually had a third cub. She had kept her yearling from the year before. So she had one large cub and two small cubs. So, and she looked very, she was a big bear, but she was very, very skinny in the belly, uh, very flabby belly. So I think she was nursing all three bears, including a, you know, one a year and a half old. And she had developed some bad behaviors uh, knew how to get food out of a tree, wasn't too afraid of us, wasn't overly aggressive, but at the time I was, <laughs> I thought she was pretty aggressive. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's my, uh, that's my best bear story. Wow. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think that's probably brilliant that you cut the tree down. Sorry, Ontario parks. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, I, I went to the visitor center the next, you know, when we got out and I reported my, uh, my transgressions <laughs> and uh, told my story and um, you know, they, they did, they never, they never bothered me about it. I think they recognized the situation of the act and. Oh, um, brilliant, yeah. brilliant solution. Uh, yeah. Wow. Wow. <laughs> oh my <Yeah>. goodness. <laughs> that's, that's better than our bear story. For sure. Yeah. No, I got, I, I got nothing there, man. You, you win. And, and, and the cool the cool thing was I was meeting my wife's parents for the first time. So um, there's a, there's they, a good they impression. They me after that. They thought I was a pretty good guy. And we um, we have for several years after that, Christmas gifts always inv involved a, a bear of some sort. We gave them some some pottery bears. And yeah, uh, my, my birthday card uh, recently came from uh, my mother-in-law and, of course, had bears on the envelope and the card itself. And yeah, so we never forget that. Yeah, sure. That's awesome. <laughs> That's great. We love stories, man. It, uh, I'm glad that happened to you, not to me. That's all I had to say. <laughs> I'm glad it happened to me when I was younger. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I, yeah. You're just like, oh, would you take off? <clears throat> I'm tired. I'm old. I'm crippled. Stop bugging me. Yeah. So, so I've always been interested in, in bears since then. And, and I've had a few friends who've had really serious encounters with predatory bears. I, I know six people that have had encounters uh, with predatory bears and, you know, a nuisance bear, like I was describing is a good story, but a predatory bear is pretty serious. And, and yeah. so I've, I've, um, I got a bit of an interest in making videos about bears because of, because of all those connections. Yeah, I saw that you had a whole series of them and that I just said 1.7 million views on, on one of them. So people are interested. And that's one of the, one of the episodes of ours that we've had not 1.7 million downloads no but it's for, for us for for a podcast thing we, yeah we've had we had a decent amount of and interest some, in yeah some and, emails and i've had so such a lower level 
I don't know, like just a casual, casual, I think is the right term for, for our exposures to bears, like just in, in our encounters. Thomas and I did see two cubs once scampering. We came out of a portage into a very narrow, we had to, had to go through to get out into the lakes. It was, uh, man, it was maybe 12 or 14, 15 feet wide sort of deal. And we saw two cubs scampering up a, up a bit of granite on the one side and I, didn't crap my pants, but I immediately started just head on a swivel. Look, where's mom? Where's mom? Okay, I don't care. Paddle, 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 paddle. Get out into yeah. the lake. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I didn't. I didn't yeah, want absolutely. to be there. I've had lots of uh, encounters with raccoons, though. So <laughs> they're they're my least favorite backcountry. They're my least favorite in town animal. They're my least favorite backcountry animal as well. They're they're poopy heads. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, wow. So that's, I'm I'm just totally blown away by the story. It's just I, I'm I'm glad I'm glad that it worked out. Sure. <laughs> no, no. I remember reading uh, in the uh, park newspaper at Algonquin this year about bears, and they were talking about like that it's very rare that you'll run into a predatory bear. But that that doesn't sound like your experience anyway. No, that uh, our bear was what you you know you would call a nuisance bear. Uh, she was obviously um, somewhat conditioned. That part of the park, and, and my theory is there that lake uh it's only 500 meters to crown land where there's some logging and and probably I, i'm guessing at the time there would have there could have been a an outfitter baiting bears and i i you know that road system was active then and and i so i think she may have been conditioned not just by campers but by bear baiters and that area now is very very safe I've, i haven't heard uh, a lot of a lot of issues and I mean they used to put a map uh, on the wall of the park entrance and uh, by the door in Atacokan and 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 show the locations of bear encounters and they would often rec at that time you know 15 whatever years ago 20 years ago now I guess they would say you know we don't recommend traveling through this corridor if you do just travel very quickly and and don't leave your bags at the end of a portage alone leave somebody with them that kind of thing because because bears were stealing bags at the end of portages and I think it was just a bad situation of, uh, you know, a few bears getting uh, getting educated about how to steal food. Yep. And uh, this one was, you know, and then they probably develop other behaviors after that. I'm, I'm just guessing that, you know, that, that that behavior might have led to her keeping her cub around longer and making her more desperate and more aggressive. And yeah, but she wasn't a predatory bear. The predatory bears, all my friends that have that have had attacks, the bear is, is not aggressive. They're, they tend to be kind of quiet. Um, they tend to approach uh, and stalk you slowly and try and get around you, probably trying to cause you to trip. They probably hunt, you know, they don't hunt a lot, right? They, 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 they forage, they eat ants and berries and whatever, but when they have a chance to get some meat, they certainly go after it. And, and I think they, they try and stalk behind uh, animals, trying to get them to scamper or trip because bears are fast, but they're not, they're not going to run a marathon, right? So uh, I, I, you know, that's, that's the typical behavior is they try and uh, corner you get you to turn around, get you to trip. And uh, yeah, I've had a few a few friends who've, uh, because I because I work in natural resources, I, I, I know people that are in the forest a lot. And um, so it's rare, but the more you go in the forest, the more your chances go up. Yeah, higher numbers. And I, I think one of the quotes when I was doing research on on our, for our bear episode was, uh, oh man, I think it was, it was, I think it was stateside, was one of the, was a ranger in one of the parks down there. And, and he said something to the effect of, if you hear the bear, it's not a predatory bear. If you, if you're Pretty not going to hear, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're that good, yeah. they're that smart. Yeah. 
which yeah. is terrifying. So let's let's go back to happier talk topics. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure. sure. Let's talk about food. Cool. <laughs> let's talk about food. So here, your wonderful right on. book. Your wonderful book. Uh, I, Thank I can't. You. I can't. Honestly, I can't rave enough about it. Again, back to Thomas and I have you know the the whatever soups, and we just throw a bunch of stuff dehydrated into it. This was a game changer. I can't. We didn't do all the recipes. These are all were our recipes for French River this year. Oh, right on. Yeah, no, it was great. We didn't we didn't do them all. Scheduling nightmare this year. Children, jobs, uh, it was crazy. We did manage to finally get out, but we but by the time it, it got rescheduled so many times, and by the time it was like, okay, we're going. I think we had six days or something like that. So it's like ah, dehydrate like a lunatic. So we I think we managed to take three or four meals. I know we did our, your rice pudding because that was our breakfast on the last day. We did. Okay. Oh, off the top of my head, there was a, there was a sausage, there was chicken and rice. Sausage stew. Sausage stew. Yes. Sausage oh, that stew. was good, yeah. man. Oh, that was good. Yeah. Um, right yeah. And the, the nice thing was <laughs> smart kids. Cause I'm, I'm an idiot and I do everything but pen and paper. Smart kids took a picture of the recipe with the rehydrating in instructions on it. And he just okay. flipped the phone out. So it, it worked out so yeah. well. Also, and the rehydrating instructions are all pretty similar, right? It's it's it usually says you know cover with cover with water, bring to boil, <laughs> let it let it rehydrate for fifteen minutes. Put it in your pot, cozy for fifteen minutes. Yep. So I figured yeah. that one out. It took me a few days, but I went, hey, this is the same way every time. Um, I also know <laughs> I also much. know how to make a pot cozy and have one now because of you. Right on. Uh, yeah. Right no, on. that was cool. That's a. I can't, we, we use so, so much less fuel this year. That was awesome. What, uh, yeah. okay. So, so I, I do, I'd make the assumption trial and error, just, just trying out different recipes going, uh, oh, that works, that works, that doesn't work to get the collection of recipes. How does it make you, what, what, at what point did you go, Hey, I have all these cool recipes. Let's do a book. It was so, so I actually, it's really interesting that when I hear people talk, they like the recipes and that's why I do the recipes. One of my earliest videos was, I think it's called how to dehydrate uh, backcountry food or something. Very simple title. And it's also got a lot of views, not, not 1.7 million, but it's got a lot of views. It's about the technique, right? It's, it's about like how to take any recipe you have more or less, you know, you, you're not going to dehydrate a a roast or a whole chicken or a whole apple, but you, you know, if you, if you can break the meal up into components like a stew or a soup, um, you can dehydrate just about any meal and bring it on a backcountry trip. So my interest is in the technique and how to do it. And and once I nailed the technique, I could start making all kinds of meals. And I I like the technique videos, but people really like the recipe videos. So I started finding more recipes and and finding more interesting things, trying to push my there's, there's a few in there, uh, you know, butter chicken was one that I, I didn't think I could actually do, but because you add the butter at the end, it's actually a really easy dehydrated meal and it's extremely popular. People in the UK love that one because they, they have such an affinity for those, those Indian uh, foods because of yep. their, their history and um, Indian culture migrating to, to England and, and, uh, but you know, lasagna, butter chicken, risotto, those are all really easy things if you just follow um, the basic steps of, uh, you know, I, I do a hybrid method. I talk about it in the book. Um, we'll mention the name since, since this is a podcast, it's called Backcountry Eats. Yeah, so I, I dehydrate the meat separately at, at, 
at a higher temperature, usually 160. And then I dehydrate, I make the rest of the meal without fat and I dehydrate that at, you know, 130, 135. And I find uh, the food rehydrates better if you separate the meat from the rest of the meal. Just a little bit better quality. It'll still work if you dehydrate them all together, but you get a little bit better quality if you separate them. And well, it then, works, uh, it works tons fats. better. For sure. I, I, yeah. I will say that specifically when we did the ground beef for which I don't even remember which one, but, but cause I've tried that before and it was, I think you actually make mention of it. It, it tastes like gravel. It did. It was horrible. Re, it didn't rehydrate yeah. for beans. It was absolute. Like we just skipped the meal. We, we took about two mouthfuls and went, uh, and this isn't working. Yours was yeah. fabulous. Yeah. There's a whole, there's a couple of authors that have promoted that sort of uh, saute the meat and add breadcrumbs to help it. If you just saute the meat in a pan, you're going to have gravel. If you add breadcrumbs, you're, it, it's going to be better, but um, you know, the breadcrumbs absorb the fat and it's hard to get rid of the fat and that, that works. The breadcrumb method works, but uh, I prefer just boiling the meat. Um, when you do that, you don't get that hard sear on the meat. It rehydrates well and the boiling um, lets all the fat melt away. Yeah. And it, and it tasted great. Like it tasted like ground beef. It didn't, it didn't yeah. taste like crap. <laughs> yeah. You, you miss a, you, what, what you're missing is a bit of the fatty taste and you can add a bit of olive oil or clarified butter when you rehydrate your meal and, and you add that back and it, it, it almost uh, compensates for, for the fat you lose. It's, it and almost does. making some noise outside my door. <laughs> That's okay. We, we got a puppy dog locked, locked in our bedroom as well. This, this is not the first time we've heard, heard dog noises in the background. No, Kevin's dog was. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin, Kevin's dog needed to pee or something. The, the other Kevin, Kevin Callen. Yeah. Uh, cool. It, it, so yes, I, I will repeat. Backcountry Eats. I'm holding it up. You yeah. can't see it if you're listening to the podcast. Backcountry Eats by Kevin <laughs> Ride is a fantastic book. I cannot extol the virtues of it enough. It, it's it is when people are always, oh, it's a game changer. No, this is a game changer. It makes it not be same, same all the time. There's so, it's big, yeah. it's thick. It's got all kinds of things to do. It's fabulous. I, I this is, this will, this will work for us for many years and we won't have to re, we, we, we will repeat some recipes because, because even in the three or four that we already did, there's, there's at least two in there that it's like, oh yeah, no, that's going on the list again for next year. There's a number that I, I bring almost every trip, even some of the simple ones. Uh, beef and rice is one that, I don't know, it's it's very simple, almost mundane, but it's it's good. It tastes, it, it fills you up and it, uh, it I, I make it almost every trip, at least yep. one one meal every trip. I can see how that plays out. What So that leads me to the next question. What, what uh, do you have a handful of favorites? Two, three, seven? Beef and rice? Uh, beef and yeah. rice is, is a go-to uh, staple almost. I do like... The ones I mentioned before, lasagna, butter, chicken, risotto are really good. Risotto is one of those things that comes back almost as good as when you make it at home. Everything is always a little bit less quality than at home, but because you're in the back country, you're like, oh, this tastes awesome. Yeah. Um, but risotto is one that's extremely close. There's a few. There's a few. Oh, some of the soups, the pastas, the pasta primavera is one that um, we, I've started bringing on a lot of trips. Spanish chicken is another one that I bring a lot. So yeah. Soba noodles is one that my wife and I really enjoy. So cool. Well, and that was one of the things I found interesting was the, the pastas because again, because our, our experience has been, you know, by the, by the nor 
whatever chicken and herb thing and then add to it uh, that you you pre-cook the pasta so it dehydrates quicker better less again less yeah. fuel at the other ends um, yeah. and and tasty uh, like I yeah yeah and there's there's nothing wrong with bringing those uh those pre-packaged things and and there's um there's all kinds of youtube videos out there about those and i've I've just chosen, you know, I, that that's that's my roots, but I've chosen to kind of go uh, hardcore and, and dehydrate everything um, from scratch because um, you can. And if if somebody doesn't want to cook the rice and wants to use minute rice instead, that works absolutely fine, and there's nothing wrong with that. So I'm uh, I'm lazy and I don't follow instructions for beans, <laughs> so so I do exactly that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Thanks again, Kevin, for being on the show on the doing it, doing a podcast episode with us. We'd love to give a shout out again to the book, which is just, I can't, I really, seriously, it's so awesome. Uh, it's Backcountry Eats. It's by Kevin Ride. You can find it in all the places. Uh, I think I got mine from Amazon, but wherever you get books, his book is there. Uh, you can find him. His Instagram uh, uh, is Kevin Underbar Outdoors One. His YouTube is Kevin Outdoors, as well as his Facebook page, Kevin Outdoors. Check out his YouTube videos. They're very, very cool. That's it for us for today. Thank you so much to our special guest, Kevin Ride. Please do check him out on all the social media and please purchase his book. Um, we will talk to you again soon. I'm Pamela. I'm Tim. We are from supergoodcamping.com. Please do reach out to us. Our email address is hi at supergoodcamping.com. That's H-I at supergoodcamping.com. And we are on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook also. Bye.